Like Charlie Brown, sometimes I wonder, why does everything I touch get ruined? Maybe I wasn't supposed to touch it in the first place. Hi, I'm Josh. Welcome to Honestly Radio. Straight away, I'll admit it. I am an impatient person. You know, we are the generation of Instapot, microwave, air fryer, and I love all of those things dearly because I want it, I want it quickly, I want it now. And that doesn't always translate well when we look at what God's plan is for our life, especially if we feel like God said something to us, God's made a promise to us, or God's given us this direction for us to go. We don't want to wait for it to happen. We want it to happen now. I feel like sometimes with God, we're kind of like, if you've ever had little kids, you understand this, or even maybe a pet, when you're trying to to make something, maybe in the kitchen, you're trying to put something together, and you have the the little ones come up and like, oh, I want to help, I, I, can, I can help with this, and then they get right in the middle of what you're trying to do, and they turn it into a huge disaster. That's kind of what it's like with God and us, when we try to put our hands on things where they don't belong. You know, yesterday we talked about the idea of faith, and faith calls us to action. God gives us a clear direction on what we're supposed to do. But today I want to kind of pull back from that a little bit and think in larger terms of like God's plan for your life. And with that in mind, I want to look at Genesis 16 today. I'm going to be reading on the New Living Translation. If you don't have a Bible, I strongly recommend you download the Life Church Bible app, multiple different translations, and it's absolutely free great resource to be able to get in God's word, which is one of the big things that we want to encourage you to do is to connect with God in his word, in prayer, and in community through the local church. Anyway, we're going to be looking at Genesis 16, and it focuses around the story of Abram and his wife Sarai or Sarah. You know, sometimes when we look at the Bible, it can be difficult to understand what's happening in terms of the time it takes to get from one chapter to the next. For us, it's just a page or two, but for them, it's like a decade and a half between something God says and then something that happens. At this point in the story, we find Abraham in his his 80s. You know, he's up there in age. He's getting older. God's made this big promise to him and says, you're going to have so many kids, you won't even know what to do with them all. He's like, seriously, you won't even be able to count them. And this is a difficult promise for Abram and his wife to receive because they have no children. They're getting older. By all accounts, it looks like time is running out on them. So they're kind of like, God, if you're going to do something, you should do it now. We know you made this big proclamation about what's going to happen, but we kind of need you to move. And so like us, sometimes we think, oh, God, you're having trouble. Let me help you. And how does that end? In disaster. You know, kind of like the little kids in the kitchen. And that's what we find in Genesis 16. It says that Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So what does she do? She thinks, you know what? God's not doing it. I need to step up. I'm going to make things happen. So Sarai said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So basically, they're all in this at this point. They've all agreed like, God, we're going to take over because we don't see you moving and we think we can do it better. So predictably, things don't turn out well. Hagar gets pregnant. Things start getting contentious between her and Sarai. And even though it was her idea, she says to her husband, this is all your fault. 
I put my servant into your arms. Now she's pregnant, but she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. You may be wondering, well, who's wrong here? And the answer is all of them. (laughs) Every single one. Sarai shouldn't have proposed it. Abraham certainly shouldn't have agreed. And Hagar shouldn't have treated Sarai with contempt. So Abraham, refusing to lead, just says, you know what? This is your mess. You clean it up. So she decides to treat fire with fire, treats her horribly, and then Hagar runs away. And this is where God steps in yet again. As she's running away, an angel of the Lord appears to her and says, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. The angel also says, you are now pregnant. You will give birth to a son. You will name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. I love this part of what happens next. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. And she also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? God was this idea to her became a very personal thing, so much so that she began to refer to God as you are the one who sees me. And I think there's there's this powerful element that comes to play. We're kind of like Hagar in a lot of respects. God's kind of this idea that's out there, and we've yet to really truly make him personal. We've yet to really pray to him as though he's someone that hears us and sees us and responds to us. So there's just a few ideas that I want to extract from this story. Between the miracle that will take place, because we know if we read God's word that Abraham and Sarah will have a child. At the age of 100, they're going to have a kid. This kid will then lead to a whole generation of kids, and eventually Jesus Christ will be born from these descendants. But from the time that God really speaks to Abram and says, this is going to happen, about 15 years take place between then. So you might ask yourself, what's Abraham supposed to do between when God says the miracle is going to happen and then the miracle happens? And it's what we're supposed to do. If God has spoken into your life and said, prepare for this, get ready for this, I'm going to do this, we get impatient, we want to get in there, we want to put our hands on it, keep your hands off God's plan. So what was Abram supposed to do? Love God, praise God. Love his wife, very key for this to happen. His job is what he should have been doing because running a small family business is no small task and that's what he had to do and also be a good steward of God's blessing. And one of the big ideas I want to encourage you is don't take things out of God's hands. They're there for a reason. He is so much more capable than you at doing what he says he's going to do. So what are we supposed to do? One, live by faith daily, day to day. As Abram did, love God, praise God, love others, do your job, because we know that when we do our job, we're supposed to do it to his glory, Christ's glory, as if we're doing it for the Lord. And finally, be a good steward of God's blessing and just allow God to work at the pace that he's going to work and believe that what he says is true. God's timing is not our timing, but that doesn't diminish what he wants to do in your life and that he is going to do it. But sometimes between the big proclamation and the actual miracle, there might be 15 years of waiting. There might be 15 years of day-to-day service. There might be 15 years of living by faith. And the other thing I want to say, God can redeem our horrible mistakes. I know this personally because if anyone's messed it up, it's been this guy right here. Because we asked the question, who was wrong here? And the answer was everybody. Everybody was wrong. But what did God do? He said, I'm not done with all of you. I see you. I hear you. I'm going to respond. And so if you're listening to this today and you say, Josh, you don't understand. I've messed up badly. 
I tried to take it out of God's hand. I tried to do my own thing instead, and I messed it up in a horrible, horrible way. And I want to say to you, then you need to know the God who redeems us, because that's the God that I know. And when I pray, that's often the times that's how I pray to God, is I thank you, God, for redeeming me, for renewing me. Because it doesn't matter how badly you've messed up. God says, I see you. I hear you. I want to redeem you. I want to redeem this mess that you've made. And finally, what I want to say is how we see God matters. How we pray reflects the depth of our relationship. And I think it's, it's just, it's a good time and point to question, how do you pray to God? How do you see him? Because I'm guilty in the past of treating God kind of like a genie in a lamp or maybe even Santa Claus. Like, God, I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Me, me, me. I'm guilty of that. And that's not a relationship. I praise God that he's really transformed the way that I pray, the way that I see him. And the, the way that usually I pray is I think of God as the infinite God because he's infinitely bigger than I can think or imagine. He's infinitely greater. He's infinitely more holy than I can fathom. He's beyond my understanding. And yet, being the ruler of everything, the king of all, he loves me. He sees me. He adopts me into his family. He calls me son. He calls me child. He calls me friend. That blows my mind. <laughs> I don't know if it blows yours, but that is just a wild and wonderful thought to me. So how do you pray? What do you call God when you pray? Here's the thing I, I want to encourage you to do today. When you pray today, and maybe you haven't prayed in a while, take a timer, put two minutes on it, and take that whole two minutes and start out your prayer with just thanking God for every blessing he's placed in your life. That's it. Just start it out. Just say, God, I thank you for my family, for my home, for my car, for, for all the blessings, Father, for the way that you speak to me in your word and in prayer. God, for your biblical teaching, just begin by thanking God. So remember, hands off God's plan. Trust him, live by faith, and make it personal because God wants to make it personal with you. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us here today. An honor to have you on board. I want to know that, that God sees you. He hears you. We prayed for you to hear this because we want you to connect with God in his word, in prayer, and in the local church. We want you to live honestly and be blessed. Thank you for joining us on Honestly Radio. If you wouldn't mind leaving a comment so we can pray for you or maybe share this with your friends, that would help us a great deal. This has been my daily reminder. Have a great day and God bless. Oh,